conceito. So a huge, huge, huge welcome. Huge, huge welcome to you. My name is Steve. And uh, a welcome to the crowd there. They're in the splash zone. <laughs> it's like uh, Thorpe Park. And uh, we're going to do... In a few minutes, we're going to hear from Coco and Tabby as they share their story about how they, they found Jesus and they, how they found following Jesus and why they want to be baptised this morning. But... Just in a, in a few minutes, if you'd, if you'd bear with me. Apparently, this took 12 minutes this morning. So if there's any children with timers, you can, uh, you can, you can do that. I'm likely to go off piste at times, uh, which is why I've got some notes to kind of keep you back on track. Uh, but a huge, 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 huge welcome to you. Uh, I, uh, I, I read a story this week that a television news camera crew was on assignment in southern Florida filming the widespread destruction of Hurricane Andrew. And in one scene, amid all the devastation, the debris, there was, one, there was just one single house stood amongst all the chaos and all the, all the ruins. Uh, and there's one owner who was, he was cleaning up his yard. I know there's a few Americans here today. Um, when a reporter approached him, and, he, and the reporter says, Sir, sir, why is your house... Uh, the only one still standing. The, just to let me caveat, this morning I tried an American accent. And, um, <laughs> there was a kind of southern New York twang to it, so I probably won't do that. I probably won't do that today. Um, and, the rep- and the reporter said, Sir, why is your house the only one standing? There we go, there we go. So, almost there. <laughs> I don't know where that was in America, but it probably wasn't, wasn't Florida. Um, and so he, the reporter asked him, and, the man, and he said to them, how did you manage to escape the severe damage of the storm? And uh, the, guy, the guy just in his yard just plainly said, I built this house myself. The man replied, I, I also built it according to Florida State Building Code. When the code called for a two-by-six roof trusses, I used two-by-six roof trusses. Uh, and I was told that a house built according to the, co- to, according to the code would, would withstand this hurricane. And I did it. And, and I did it. And the man looked around at the devastation. And just, I guess no one else around here followed the code. Uh, Jesus, in his teachings, he would say things like for us as followers of Jesus to observe everything that he's commanded, commanded of us. And he calls us as Christians and as churches to baptise people in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's part of our, our mandate as churches that we get to baptise people. And baptism is, the, is, the, is this act of obedience both for the believer and the church. And uh, we baptise because we want to follow what Jesus tells us to. And just like the the Florida man, he followed instructions. And so we do that too. And throughout the New Testament, throughout church history, it seems to indicate that baptism serves as this 
initial profession of faith. So we would read things like, they, they became followers of the way, or they became followers of Jesus, and then got baptised, and then were filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, but also, there's something about for the believer who is following Jesus for, in those early times. But there's also, for, for us, as, I mean, there's family, friends, all kinds of people here today who are, who are joining, joining these Coco and Tabby as they get baptised. Uh, I remember when I first got baptised, I, I became a follower of Jesus in my late teens. And most of my friends... Uh, either ended up in prison or they died. And so for me, I had a dramatic conversion uh, because my future was headed that way. And because I was changing, um, my mum and my stepdad, my stepdad's here this morning, um, uh, they, were, they thought, has Steve joined a cult? Has he joined some kind of weird sect? Um, were they brainwashing me? It's true. Ask, ask Peter, what are they brainwashing me? Because I changed, I kind of, I was changing so much because of what, what Jesus has, had done for me. And I want to, be, to become more and more like Jesus. Um, I, I don't think I was being brainwashed. I was just following this man, Jesus. And for me, my baptism, I've been thinking this week about my baptism. For baptism for me was a drawing a line from my past, all the junk from my past, I was saying, there's the line, I don't need to look back at my past anymore. It's behind me. It doesn't have to, my past doesn't have to equal my future. Um, uh, I used to work in prisons. I used to work in prisons all around, all around the country. And we, if, I t- if I talked in prisons about words like sin or rebellion or hurting others, or all kinds of things, people would get the word. So I talk about sin in prisons, and every prisoner would understand that. They would know what that means, because they were either experiencing it, or they were around a thousand other people who were, who were guilty. Uh, but for us, sort of Western, we're more sophisticated. When we talk about sin, we kind of, oh, you, that's a very religious word. Uh, I, th- this week I had a coffee with a new member of the church, and uh, I've been noticing the last few months, last six months, we've begin, be, we've been beginning to attract more and more Americans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've put it down to the fact that Trump has got elected, <laughs> and uh, all the Americans are coming to, to Britain. Uh, do you remember during his campaign, he would wear the hat, make. America great again. During Independence Day this year, I was tempted to buy a hat which said, make America great Britain again. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Look. Anyway, you see, I I go off piste slightly. (laughs) Come back to my notes. And so in meeting with this this guy, he, he said this phrase, and I just, it made me laugh out loud. He said, the junk in your trunk. The junk in your trunk. I'd, ne- I'd never heard that before. But I thought, I thought it was amazing. Uh, and I started to think, we've all got junk in our trunks. <laughs> Again, there might be some translation issues. 
here in, the, here in Britain. But if we can pretend we're in America, that'd be awesome. <laughs> the, the junk in your boot doesn't seem to kind of flow very well. But all of us have got junk. Every single one of us have got junk. Not just the, the, the hundreds of prisoners that I used to work with. All of us have got, have got junk in our lives. All of us have messed up. There's not a single person here who could say we haven't messed up or we haven't lied or we haven't been hurt by someone or we haven't hurt someone else. Uh, all of us would say that we carry worries or, or, or maybe anxieties or rejections or habits that aren't healthy. Uh, and sin, it's those things that prevent us from, from being able to connect with our Creator being able to, to meet our maker and connect with our, our maker. So when I was 17, 18, uh, someone told me about this man, Jesus. And he, and, um, uh, and he, said, he said to me, I've got some good news. I've got some great, great news for you. And uh, if I, I, I may have changed the, the phraseology because that was more than 10 years ago. Um, and he said, I've got some good news for you. God loves you so much that he sent his only son so that you can have eternal life. You see, the gift that Jesus gave us cost him everything uh, because he loves us so much. He cost him everything and he paid his life with his blood. This week I went to Travis Perkins to buy the biggest piece of wood I could find. And uh, the guy said, what, what do you want it for? And I said, I want to make a cross. I want to make a big, a big cross. And we're getting, hopefully next week we'll have it, have it here. And so he looked at me, and it, it was a very unusual sort of request. Um, uh, but when Jesus died on the cross, he paid, every, he paid a price so that you and I could have this gift of eternal life. You and I could have this relationship and friendship uh, with our maker. And what Jesus did in our, the junk in our boot or the junk in our trunk, what he did is he's given us a, an opportunity to get rid of all of the junk that we, ca the ca we carry, all of the, the past that haunts us, all the memories that we have. Jesus has given us this way to have relationship. He's given us a way to remove all of our, our shame, remove all of our guilt, remove all of our brokenness uh, and our sin. And it's all those things that prevent us from knowing God and getting into heaven. God loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you and me so that we could receive forgiveness. We could receive eternal life. We could receive a relationship with him. And what Jesus does is he stands at the door of your boot. He stands at the door at your boot or your trunk. And he says, would you let me in? Would you let me take some of that, some of that stuff from, that you carry? Would you let me come into your life? Will you, will you open up the door of your heart and let me come in? Uh, God, God is desperately wanting a relationship with you and I. And I, I started thinking about, who is this man, Jesus? And I, uh, <laughs> I listened to a rap uh, this week. Again, another American. I'm not going to do the rap. Don't even try. <laughs> I, I enjoy karaoke, but I'm definitely not going to do this rap. Um, and, he said, and in this rap, it said this. In chemistry, he turned water into wine. In biology, he was born without natural conception. In physics, he disproved the law of gravity when he ascended to heaven. In economics, 
he disproved the law law of diminishing return by feeding 5,000 men and women with two fishes and, and five loaves of bread. In medicine, he cured the sick, the blind, without administering a single dose of drugs. And in history, the Bible says he is the beginning and the end. In government, he says that he is the wonderful counsellor, the almighty God, the prince of peace. And in religion, he says, religion, he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. So who is he? He's Jesus. He's the greatest man in history. You see, Jesus, he had no servants, but people called him master. He had no degree, but they called him teacher. He had no medicines, but they called him healer. He had no army, but yet the kings feared him. And he won no military battles, but we believed he conquered the world. And he committed no crime, but yet they crucified him. And he was buried in a tomb, but he lives today. And so I just feel such an honour to, to serve such a leader as this. You see, when, when we think about Jesus, it's our, it's our access and our avenue to what the nature of God is like. Anything that doesn't, if you believe in a God that doesn't look like Jesus, you've got every right to flush it, to dump it, to, to remove it. Uh, for some of you, 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 know, you may be religious and you, you might be saying, oh, why are they women? you know, speaking. Uh, in a minute, we're going to have uh, some ladies baptising. Oh, risky. Um, you see, the way, what we have is our model is Jesus. The way Jesus treated women gives us an example about what their role is in the church. And so there isn't any... The Bible just says baptise people. It doesn't say you have to have the appointed pastor who's a male to do that. Anyone can baptise people. If you're in a small group, don't wait. We, we do baptisms once a term. If you're in a small group and you, and you want to get baptised, just fill up the bath. <laughs> there's, no, there's no instruction of when and how to do it. It just says baptise people. So I want to encourage you, if you're a small group leader, just fill up your bath on a Tuesday night or Thursday night and um, just baptise people. Don't, we don't have to wait here. Okay. This is more than 12 minutes. Um, according, according, to the Bible, according to the Bible, it says baptism is, is this witness to the saving work of Christ. And what's going to happen is this symbol of, of, of Christ's death, his burial, and his resurrection is going to be seen here. So, we, so in baptism, we'll say things like, you die with Christ, but you raised with Christ. Baptism is the symbol of what Christ has done. It visually enacts all his burial, the grave, and his resurrection. We believe that Jesus lived a life as an example to us. And his death that he didn't deserve miraculously broke this power of sin. Um, uh, Earlier this year, the Guardian newspaper, they published an article. And it says, "What, what is the historical evidence that Jesus Christ lived and died? Fantastic article. Uh, just look it up. The Guardian. Uh, they've probably got some opinions about Trump as well. Um, but look up the, the historical evidence of Jesus Christ. And, and what it's, I've just got an excerpt from it. It said, these abundant historical references leave us with little reasonable doubt that Jesus lived and died. The more interesting question, this is what I love, the more interesting question is whether Jesus died and lived. 
This is the reason why we're here today. Uh, this morning I opened, the, opened my door and the hinge, my door almost fall, fell off because the hinge has come off. Christianity, it hinges on this fact that is Jesus alive? And if that hinge, if Jesus isn't alive, we might as well go home now. We are just a social club. If, if Jesus did actually live and he died and he rose again, which he predicted himself, then there's something about his sayings that we've got to believe. And we believe absolutely as followers of Jesus, as, as Bible-believing Christians, that Jesus is alive. And we get to see the evidence of that. Um, I've got a couple of books. If you've got questions, at the back there are going to be some books. Uh, if you want to know more about Jesus, uh, this is a one-way conversation. I'd love to have a two-way conversation. Uh, I could spend an hour having a one-way conversation with you. Uh, but I'd love to have a two-way conversation. Or if you want to take some things back, just have, pick up this about why Jesus. And also there's some questions here, searching issues, or some of the questions that people may have about faith, about Christianity, about Jesus. Did he die? Did he rise again? Um, and so that, that'll be at the back as well. But baptism is this dramatic represent, re- representation of, of Christ's, again, another religious word, atonement. Atonement literally means an action that was taken to make wrong things right. So what Jesus has done is he's made wrong things right. He's taken out junk and he's given us an opportunity to, for him to make it right. And you're going to hear that in the stories here, where how Jesus has, has, has taken what people, where they've come from and they've started this relationship with him. In a few moments, when we watch these new followers of Jesus walk into water, go under the water, and come up from the water, what we're seeing is what Jesus did to save, to save us. What's not going to happen is we're going to say, compared to your, your junk, we need to hold you down for a few more seconds. <laughs> we're not going to do that, I promise. Uh, a, f- a few years ago, we did some baptisms, and I, we put the water heater on too high, and so it was scolding. And so literally the, the guys came out and they had like red blotches. The next day they had blisters. And in my kind of cunningness, I was, well, Jesus wants to burn your sin away. <laughs> the water's fine. The water's fine. Uh, baptism is this fantastic symbol. You see, it's, this, it's more than the outward... Uh, demonstration of the inward change it's much it is that it's much more than that it's saying that we are now a new creature in Christ Christians we we talk about these phrases these really these weird phrases born again Uh, baptism it it means that a new creature uh, is is reflected in this term you see the the Greek word the Bible the the New Testament was written in Greek and the, the word baptism was called baptizo and it describes this plunging action. It's almost like what they used to do is they used to plunge cloth into dye. D-Y-E. Cloth into dye, into a dye vat. And when they pulled it out, the cloth would look different than when it went in, before it went in. As believers, as we, what we believe is as we go into the water, this sim- symbolism is that when we come out, miraculously... God gives us new, uh, a new nature. We can put the past where it belongs. 
and also we can invite the Holy Spirit to, to be involved and invested and uh, imparted in, in a believer. Okay, I've gone over 12 minutes. Let's pause there. I, I'm going to hand over to Lou, who, and we've just got the privilege now of, uh, of introducing Tabby and Coco. Um, first, I'd like to introduce Tabby. Do you want to come up? Woo! Um, so at the start of this year, you we, we put on we put an alpha course out on the on um, HTV website, and you were the first person to sign up. And we were so excited that you're the first person to book on. And it has been such a privilege to be able to journey with you through Alpha. Um, when I think of you, I think of you as this burst of light, this burst of light and this burst of joy. And I just know that with your life, you're going to go into so many situations and just bring God's light into those situations. And I feel like um, when I've been hearing some of your testimony, um, which you're going to share, um, just like that resilience that you've built up over the years, but yet your heart has remained so soft. And I love that about you. You've got such a soft heart for Jesus. And that has been beautiful to see. Just like the love that you have and that softness towards him. It's contagious. It's, it is infectious. And it is going to draw so many people into his embrace. And yeah, so... I think you're just like such a strong warrior woman that's just going to do so many amazing things for him. And we're so excited to celebrate with you today and stand with you. So, yeah. Thank you. She was trying to make me cry then, by the way. <laughs> okay, um, yeah, for anyone that doesn't know me, I'm Tabby. I came to BBC through Alpha. And um, I have notes because I just have to zone in um like a little there is a little pg rating to my testimony but there's not naughty words it's just like adult themes so it'll be over soon like, <laughs> okay um so this summer i went to focus festival i was 10 weeks old as a christian and obviously and i'm not sponsored by them by the way um and one of the speakers said something that hit me like a bolt to my heart your history is not your destiny the theme of the week was around our purpose in God, and it felt like it was being directly spoken to me. And not going to lie for the people in the room that went to focus, I'm plagiarizing the whole week. There's so much of it in this. Um, my history is not my destiny. I was born into a family broken by anger, emptiness, and pain. Like a wise man in this church says, hurt people hurt people. I was physically beaten, emotionally abused, and neglected throughout my childhood. Um, it's all I remember. And I started cutting myself when I was around 13, 14. As a young adult, I was diagnosed with manic depression, PTSD, a variety of anxiety and self-harm disorders. I had panic attacks. I was still cutting, body dysmorphia. I would starve myself, scratch my skin until it bled, and I pulled my hair out from the root. Is that you, Steve? Oh. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I was raped when I was 22, and a week later, I tried to kill myself. But I didn't die. And so I learned how to bury the pain. My go-to coping mechanisms were anger, alcohol, men, and power. I put on a poker face and pretended I was normal. I moved to London, built a successful finance career. I was popular, I was pretty, but inside I was so broken. I carried so much shame, it was backbreaking, and I really believed that I was bad. 
I wasn't willing to entertain the idea that there was a God. I was in the camp that if there was a God, then everything that happened to me was intentional. And the idea of that made me sick. Lou insisted that I tell this story, <laughs> but um, I was actually so reluctant to call God God that another wise man in my life, um, who has an open tap to God's unconditional love, said to me, call it the universe, call it broccoli for all I care, but you are loved. So here's me, first week of Alpha, rocking up and saying, I'm not sure if there is a God, I call it broccoli, and there's a room of people like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> So I became known as Broccoli Girl. It was very weird. <laughs> My favourite Andrew Lloyd Webber musical, and trust me, this is a tough category because I love a Lloyd Webber musical, is Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Joseph suffered for 13 years before he fulfilled the purpose God had laid out for him. He was betrayed by his brothers, sold as a slave, and thrown into jail. And I'm sure you all know the story, that once in jail, Joseph uh, met the butler. He used his gift to interpret the butler's dream. The butler goes back to Pharaoh, tells him all about it, and then Pharaoh fulfills his destiny by uh, saving Egypt, and they sing and dance in Survivor Famine. I'm pretty sure that's how it happens in the Bible. <laughs> Basically, Joseph fulfills his destiny. I believe that when I took that overdose in 2012, I didn't die because God had a purpose for me. God has positioned me for a purpose and he never sends us any less than what we can handle. I am known. Jesus knows me and he knows my heart. That I am not bad and that I have no shame to carry. <clears throat> my journey, my past, my trauma isn't evidence that there isn't a God or that the Lord is cruel. It's proof that I am his warrior that I have been in training. I am strong and I am brave and I have a purpose with God. Now, I've made some pretty extreme life choices for my happiness in the last year and a half. Um, and the last five months since coming to Jesus has just been like a vertical shoot upwards. Since I chose to believe in God and Jesus Christ, I physically and socially have the least I've had in a long time. I quit my big fancy career. I don't even like rent a house. I literally like I have nothing. Um, but my happiness and the feeling that I'm unconditionally loved has accelerated exponentially. I'm now the richest girl I know because I'm loved. God loves me. I have everything I need, nothing to fear. And I'm grateful that I'm here. I'm right here, right now with all of you and with my friends and family. Thank you. Um, Coco, I'd like to invite you up. Let's give Coco a big round of applause. Woo! Coco, it's, it has been such a privilege getting to know you this year, and I know that your story with God, it starts, it starts back, it starts back, but just seeing, like, seeing how you this year have just, um, just, you know, it's been so cool to see the life that God has given you, and when I was praying for you this morning, I felt like God say you're so righteous, 
and you're so faithful. And I just feel like you are someone who is so faithful to God. And it has been so inspiring to me seeing your hunger for his word. And you've not just read it, but you've wanted to really understand it. And then you've wanted to go back into it and know more about it. And that has been so um, inspiring for me. And um, yeah, I feel like you're someone that's going to be put in situations and people are just going to be like, whoa, you're Christian. And that is, people are going to be like, so you're going to be in situations and people are just not going to expect it. And then through that, um, yeah, you're going to get to journey with people and the life and the words that you speak are going to be so powerful. So yeah, um, over to you to share your story. Mine doesn't really come with a PG rating, but um, I'm not very good at public speaking, so that's my warning. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, so I've been asked to talk about three things. Firstly, how and when I met Jesus. Um, so looking back, um, I think I was kind of aware that there was a God for a long time. And um, actually, I think he was pursuing me for a very long time, but kind of true to his character, he just kind of backed off and let me do my own thing. I thought I knew better. I, you know, was a bit lazy about uh, looking into things and understanding things. Um, but there came a point where enough was enough. There was too much evidence one way um, that I just had to start looking into things a bit more. Um, and I'll never forget the first time I felt Jesus's love. Um, having grown up with like little understanding of like, who Jesus was, I kind of knew, oh, you know, son of God, fine. I didn't really understand his significance, or um, and I had like never really fully comprehended what him dying on the cross meant for us and for me. Um, and when I did finally come to fully understand that and fully comprehend it, I felt it so physically in my heart that it was just like overwhelming. Um, it was like a kind of physical ache. Um, I felt like, this is going to sound a bit weird, but um, a box that had had all of the sides had taken down and, um, and then like, everything was just kind of exposed. There was like free contact with the outside, um, nothing, nothing in the way whatsoever. Um, and so like, I know the expression is the penny dropped, but it kind of felt like million pound drop. Um, <laughs> and to make matters worse, I was in the lift on the way to work on a Friday morning. So needless to say, I got very little done that morning. <laughs> Um, and every time since then that I think about the significance of the cross, um, it's just the same physical response in my heart. Um, so I continued to explore and uh, look into faith until enough was enough, and I like felt Jesus' presence like pressing on me, uh, and it was so strongly, strongly there that I had to invite him in. Um, so if that was million pound drop, then this was like gazillion, bajillion, <laughs> gazillion pound drop. Um, I don't really remember like much of it. I've written it down and I'll share a bit of that with you in a moment. But it was, I felt like there was a kind of ringing in my ears and I felt like I was like filling up with joy and love and like overflowing, like oozing at the seams. Um, so what a difference he's made. Um, that, that feeling has just continued really. Um, I feel like I've got like extra chambers in my heart, which for a scientist is pretty cool. Um, and I feel like, um, if any of you have ever seen those magic eye pictures, yeah, the little dotty ones, and you see them in 2D, and then you pull it away, and you refocus, and then everything's like in 3D, and it's like, wow. 
Um, I've also kind of described it as feeling like I'm in a kind of hammock of love, which is pretty awesome feeling, like a, the best hug you've ever had. Um, I've got a newfound patience and purpose in situations because everything is fixed on him. And I never feel alone, and I understand who I am. Um, so why baptism? Uh, so I guess it kind of focused around declaration and demarcation. Um, so in my journal from when I became a Christian, I wrote the following. I feel ridiculous. I feel like nothing I've ever felt before. I belong. He's got me. I'm his daughter. I feel so safe, so overwhelmed with love, so, so happy, joy filling my heart and feeling like I might burst. The Holy Spirit is filling me up and his presence within me is palpable. It's so flipping fantastic. I want to scream. I want to scream it from the rooftops and shout with joy. I want to tell everyone and cry and be sick and to get everyone else to know and listen and understand. So I guess like baptism is the kind of physical way for me to express all of the, that like word vomit um, <laughs> um, and to make it official and to give me that anchor point that I can return to just to always know that I just need to focus on him and it's all going to be okay. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So, um, that's amazing. Thank you so much. That was, that was stunning, hearing, hearing your stories. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to invite them to come up. We're going to invite the band to come up. Uh, this is a party now. We get to celebrate. And so we're going we're gonna to have a time of worship, but then we'll interject that with, with baptism. Uh, if you're small or if you're a child, come at the Come down the front, uh, come and watch, come and see. I didn't mean if you're a small adult. I meant if you're a child, come down the front and watch, uh, watch what's going on. Um, what's going to happen? We're going we're gonna to baptize, baptize them one at a time. And then uh, at the end of, after we've baptized them, we're going to invite people in small groups, maybe in their small groups, to come and pray for them. Uh, we, use, we use a phrase here in, in the church which prophesy over them. We're, we're just speaking how heaven feels about the people, how God feels about the people, what's their preferred future. And so we're going to do that as well. But this is like a wedding day as well. So if there's anyone here who would like to be baptized, this is your chance to be baptized. The last, uh, last couple of baptisms, we've had people spontaneously want to get baptized. And so we're going to make an announcement after baptism. Is there anyone here who would like to be baptized? And uh, this is your opportunity. We've got plenty of towels. We've got shampoo. <laughs> haven't got any makeup. Um, but if, if you would like to be baptized, today's a great day to do that. So uh, come down. So why don't we stand? And then uh, James is going to lead us in worship. And we're going to get ready. Thank you.